It's always good to be here. I always look forward to coming. I hope you do too. And it's just a blessing, just a real, real blessing to see you and, and to worship together. And uh, I want you to turn with me this morning to the 24th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. We are going to talk about the second coming of the Lord Jesus today. The second coming of the Lord Jesus. In Matthew chapter 24, we have what is referred to as the Olivet Discourse. If you have studied the Bible enough over the years, if a preacher was to say, turning your Bibles to the Olivet Discourse, this would be it. It is an important discourse where Jesus speaks not only of the destruction of the temple, but he speaks of his second coming. Now, I'm going to share with you today, in addition to some things uh, in this passage about his coming, I want to share with you some things that have to happen in order for the second coming to occur. But, but let, me, let me say it to you this way. These things can happen rather quickly. In other words, uh, when we hear this idea that some things have to still occur before Christ comes, some people can be led to kind of a false understanding of that, thinking that that means that, they, that it's really far off and these things have to unfold in a period of months and maybe even years. Not true at all. In fact, these things can happen rather quickly. Uh, if if I was to tell you that we would all be wearing masks in public, you would have thought that would have taken months for that to occur, but it, it didn't take months at all, did it? I mean, it, it happened rather quickly. In fact, I saw the headline of an article on uh, one of the papers I read because of, of baseball, and it said that we will never go back to the way things were. Now, that's a very bold statement, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and yet it could be true. It could be true. Because as you know, and I'm not trying to warn you or, or overly warn you or scare you, but there could be something much worse than what we have now in the pipeline ahead. So we, we really have no idea. Uh, we may not be wearing paper masks next time. We may be wearing something much more severe. So having said that, uh, these things which are spoken of in Matthew chapter 24 can occur really rapidly. So I want to give you some of those as we read this passage together. Now Jesus, let me give you the context of this because it really thrills me that, that you made it possible for me to really understand this. It really does because uh, when you're here at this church, uh, you know, the way, the way the topography of this land is, you really, you really can't see, you can, for example, you can't see, how many of you know where Bobby Green's is, right? But you can't see that from here. But if you are in Israel, there are so many places where you can see miles away. For, ex for example, in the valley of Hinnom, which they believe, uh, many believe the final battle will occur there, uh, in that valley of Hinnom, you can see tens of miles off in the distance. 
you can see down in that valley and you can see a highway that goes through there and, and uh, you can even see a truck coming through and you think about the very driver of the truck has no idea. I'm, not that he would care or she would care, but I'm standing up here at this vantage point where Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. I'm standing here looking out into this valley and seeing this truck come through. And so we don't really think beyond our small area here where in Israel you do because you can see from so many different vantage points so many miles away. You can see the activity of a person who's on their out on their balcony barbecuing or something and you can see that way off in the distance. Of course, they're not barbecuing good stuff. They're not barbecuing good stuff. Uh, but anyway, having said that, uh, when we get to chapter 23 and chapter 24 of the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus is at the Temple Mount. How do we know this? Because in chapter 23, at the end of it, He foretells the destruction of the Temple. Or chapter 24, rather. And at the end of chapter 23, He pronounces lament over Jerusalem. The condition of Jerusalem. So He is in Jerusalem... And he is at the temple in chapter 24. And the temple, the distance between uh, the Mount of Olives um, and uh, the temple is not that far, but it is uh, uh, far enough that if you had to walk it, you wouldn't be too happy about it. But nonetheless, you could see it. So from the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane, if you were just kind of picture that, if I was to use Bobby Green's as an illustration uh, there at the bypass, so let's say that's the Mount of Olives for whatever reason. We're going to just use that as an illustration. Then you would come near to where the concrete plant is, you know, or where the gravel plant is. That would be the Garden of Gethsemane. And then this would be the temple. I just decided to use that for illustration. But you would be able to be, be able to see from Bobby Green's, the Mount of Olives, you would be able to see the temple. You would be able to see that rather easily. And so Jesus, who is in Jerusalem, He is at the temple, and the disciples who are so enamored by the construction of the temple, and by the way, uh, when I saw some of the stones that were there during the time, I say stones, but large rocks that were there during the time of Jesus, it's incredible that some of those are over 40 feet long and over 12 feet wide and 12 feet tall. Now, I have no idea what the weight of one of those in tonnage would be, but just think for a moment. I mean, I really don't even know, but you're talking about a stone in the temple foundation that's as wide as from that wall to this wall and 12 feet tall, that they actually were able to move that into position. How they did it, I have no idea. No one else does either. But they did. And there are several of those stones there that you can go down into the earth, if you will, and you can look at those stones from the time of Solomon. And so Jesus, who is there with His disciples... And the question is asked after Jesus says, See this temple, there will not be one stone left upon another. You see that in chapter 24? 
there will not be one stone left upon another. In other words, this temple is going to be destroyed. Now, temple, temple, Jesus is the temple referred to in some cases where He says destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. There He's speaking of His body. But here He's talking about the magnificence of the temple. This temple is not Solomon's temple. This is really the temple that Herod expanded upon. This is the old temple under Zerubbabel. So Herod's temple is what's being spoken of here. So Herod's temple is going to be destroyed. Now, that occurred in A.D. 70. I don't think there's any way of saying, really, that what Jesus is speaking of is what happens in A.D. 70, at least in the first part. But as he goes on, he doesn't simply talk about the destruction of the temple, which is a sign of judgment upon the Israel. And Israel's never recovered. You say, well, Israel is doing a lot of building. It sure is. Israel, uh, if you go to Israel, it looks like one grand construction zone. I mean, they have cranes everywhere. They're doing a lot of building. They're especially doing a lot of stuff in the West Bank, which is controversial. But there is a lot of construction going on, a lot of high-rise apartments that are being built. But Israel has never recovered in the spiritual sense of who God called them out of Egypt to be. But having said that, he speaks of what occurred in AD 70, but he goes beyond that because the question is posed to him, well, when will those, essentially, when will those things be and what will be the sign of your coming? So, verse 3, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, as he sat, they can see it. So it would be like, it would be like sitting here looking out and saying, well, when will uh, the bypass be done away with? You're looking at it. And so, well, when will these things occur? They came to him in private because what he has said has caught their attention, right? I mean, this is going to be destroyed. They take him at his word and... When are these things going to occur? Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming? Now, I understand this, uh, and it is, uh, as you might know, uh, a chapter of Scripture that has been written. A lot of commentaries have been written about it. Uh, there, there's a lot of questions, and I'll be honest with you that in my study, I don't know all the answers to those questions. That shouldn't really surprise you. But I think these are two uh, rather different questions. When will the temple be destroyed? And what will be the sign of your coming? Now, it could possibly be that the disciples believed that Jesus would come rather soon. He hadn't even left. He hadn't even left and he's talking about his coming. So, it could mean that they would think, and I, I would assume this is, makes a lot of sense, that they thought he would not be gone long at all. I, I don't know if it was a few years, a hundred years. It wasn't going to be long, I think, and they're thinking he would, he would certainly be coming back soon. Uh, and so, therefore, there would not be as lengthy a period as we know has occurred. Uh, but you also know that as lengthy as it may seem, it is really not. 
if there's anything about life I have learned over the years that a lot of years pass by rather quickly. I was blessed to be with my mother. It was her 88th birthday this past week. And though I wasn't there on her birthday, I was there before her birthday. And uh, we, we had some good times together. But her life, along with all of our lives, seems to pass rather quickly. Now, having said that, the, the second part of this question is not when will the temple be, be destroyed, but when and what will be the signs of His coming. So, what I want to get to now is, is some things that are going to occur before, and you can say, well, these things have been occurring throughout history. I mean, I've had more than one person over the years come to me and say, well, Brother Stan, you talked about the sign of Jesus coming, but these things have been going on for a long time. For example, wars and rumors of wars. I mean, man's always been at war, right? But so how, so how are we to process it? Well, it just is a cumulative sign that He's coming. Uh, therefore, I'm making a cumulative case. That is, when you add all of these things up, you can see things coming together for His coming. And that's just one of them. So, the Bible says that what are some of the signs that He is coming? And some of these signs have occurred and some of these are yet to occur and but they can occur rather quickly uh, as I just said earlier for example persecution I'll just give you one of those uh, persecution can unfold rather quickly uh, if you don't know that to be true all you have to do is read uh, the voice of the martyrs I get that magazine if you don't get it you can go on their website and get it it's, it's good it's good for you to read because it reminds you of the persecution that is ongoing in the world concerning Christians. Well, we live insulated from that, but not totally, because uh, uh, recently in more than one state, churches were told, you cannot meet, and if you meet, we're going to find you, and we're going to have people on site evaluating whether you're following the law. Now, just think about that. How long has it been in our country's development for this to occur? This happened just overnight, didn't it? If I was to tell you there would be government agents, I know that sounds more negative than it probably should, but I think maybe it's, it's accurate that there will be government agents in churches evaluating whether they're following the law or not. And the consequences of not following, following the law would be what? I mean, that's, that's the question you have to ask. What is What are they? Uh, so anyway, uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot going on depending on what, what state you're talking about in the United States. So persecution will come. Could it go beyond just that? Of course it could. Of course it could. Once, once the government finds a way to get in the doors of the church, wake up, right? They can do a lot. They can do a lot. And there's nobody, no way that you can keep them out, right? So, that's one of those. False religion. Is that, is that difficult? I mean, the Bible, the Bible talks about false religion. 
For many will come, verse 5, in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. Now I think that's speaking of a kind of an antichrist, messianic type figure who can fool people into believing that he is in some way the return of Jesus. But I think it's also making the case for false religion taking place. Is there false religion in the world today? Absolutely. Absolutely false religion. If you were to think with me right now, if one person could step up and say, I've solved the COVID-19 issue. We no longer need masks. No one will be infected or affected by this. That person would be elevated overnight into rock star status in our world. The Bible also speaks about earthquakes. You see that where it says famines and earthquakes in verse 7? Uh, verse 7 and verse 8. Well, verse 7 rather. That there will be earthquakes and there will be famine in the world. Now, I have, um, I have noticed something new in our country. And you may, may agree with this or not agree with it. But I, th I think it is true. Um, when have we in the last 50 or 60 years been worried about feeding our own people? You know, you know, the United States generally was a nation that reached beyond its borders and was worried about feeding people in Africa and other places. But I see commercial after commercial after commercial today saying that we need to be concerned about feeding our own people. Famine in the land. Famine in the land. You remember... You remember just a few months ago where ground beef went to what, six or seven dollars a pound? That was kind of shocking, wasn't it? At that, at that, at that moment, uh, you know, you started thinking, well, we could we make something without ground beef? And, sure. You know? <clears throat> They've already got that figured out. They got a slug burger. So they're good to go in some places. <coughs> of course, to be honest with you, the school was on top of this years ago. <laughs> and even before that, McDonald's. Okay, don't write me over that. All right, so anyway, how, how expensive things could <coughs> become and even if you could get them. That could happen quickly, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Think that would take long at all. I don't think it would take long at all. He also speaks about wars and rumors of wars in verse 7. For a nation will rise against nation. Have those been occurring? Absolutely. And uh, they've been occurring since the history of man, and I agree with that, but it's just another way of saying, has the Bible lied to us? No. It's told us that there will be wars and rumors of war. We have a lot of enemies, a lot of people that don't like us. And uh, if you don't think that, I'd be willing for you to go to the Middle East with me and take a little brief tour. As a six foot two white male, I sticked out, stuck out like a thumb, <laughs> sore thumb. And uh, therefore, they, they, all I had to do was open my mouth if my appearance was not enough. So having said that, 
There's another thing or two that need to occur. The Bible says that the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached unto all the world, and then the end shall come. That's, that wouldn't be hard to do. How hard is that? Even in the remotest place of my farm, which no technology has penetrated, <laughs> including cell service, you can set up a dish, and next minute you're seeing everything that you can see through it. How hard would that be? It's not hard. And then this one, and this is really, I'm not even, you don't even have to break a sweat here. Before he comes, there will be a falling away. I, 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 you should get a group of preachers together. Uh, I had the opportunity in Louisiana. There are, there are seven churches in one area without a pastor. And uh, um, that's better news than seven pastors without a church, I guess. But having said that, you get a group of preachers together and they're just like, Especially 50-year-olds or 60-year-olds or 70-year-olds. We're now hearing in, uh, this idea that we, 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 we're not going to assemble. We may come out of this and uh, have a future where we really don't assemble and just be done through technology. The church will not be numbers you can count, but will be people who've liked is that what you do? You like? You like? And then thumbs down, thumbs up. Look how quickly we got to this place. That's what I'm trying to say to you. If you think these things take time to occur, think about how quickly we got to this place. I mean, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, oh, when I came in 94, you could knock on a few doors and you'd have 10 extra people in Sunday school. We went from 40s to 90s, high attendance day, 160s. Right here. <coughs> but we lost a generation and we didn't replace them. And... Uh, these things can occur rapidly is what I'm trying to say. Jesus, Jesus could come rather quickly. Now, let's get into some of the specifics here as we look at this. First of all, let's look at the condition of the world. The condition of the world. And I want to do so by looking at verse 38. Verse 38 of this very passage. And I'm going to begin by reading verse 36 and then we'll get to verse 38. But, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. How many groups have predicted the coming of Jesus? That ought to tell you that they're so far off, nobody should listen to them. Because here it says, not even the Son of Man knows, only the Father knows. 
For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. Now, I don't want to disrespect my predecessors, but you know what they used to preach on this? Eh, folks would just be all drunk and everything. That's not what this is saying. They may be drunk, but that's not what this is saying. What this is saying is, is they'll be living their lives just like they're living them right now. They'll be eating, drinking, getting married, making plans to be married. They'll be just living their lives just like normal. The stock market will open up if Occurs while this country is still here and there is a stock market, it'll just it'll open up just like it always does. CNN will be on just like they always are. Fox will be on just like they always are. They'll be fair and balanced. There'll be a <clears throat> coming on every few seconds. Fox News alert: somebody broke a toenail <laughs> in Mexico Beach. I mean, they'll, they'll just, <laughs> I apologize for that, by the way. I apologize for using Mexico Beach. But anyway, just stuff, just regular stuff, regular stuff. And see, a lot of folks think, and, and I'll give you an illustration of this. Have you ever, uh, have you ever, well, you have, I know, but have you ever thought this thought? After you lost a loved one. When you are in the processional going to the cemetery. And you see people pull over. That's a very respectful thing. I really appreciate that. But do you notice how many people don't? And do you also notice. We, I was in a processional. I can't recall uh, exactly all that. But you know what? A car pulled up right beside the hearse on its way to where it was going. That's a good illustration of that. It didn't mean nothing to them. And Jesus said the condition of the world when He comes will be just like it is. Just like it is. Folks will be planning tomorrow's folks We'll be looking forward to the future. Folks, we'll be thinking about all the problems that they have. And He will come in the midst of that. Notice not only the condition of the world, and that the world is in that condition right now, by the way. The condition of the world, but Jesus will come suddenly and unprepared. The world will be. I think the Sea of Galilee was a good example. But here he uses Noah. Noah. Now the Sea of Galilee, which Jesus spoke about, and it was the backdrop of some of the things that he did, nonetheless, the Sea of Galilee has these storms just come up quickly. I was there, a storm came up. Next day it was just gorgeous. But storms come up really, really quickly. But he uses Noah here. Now Noah, that preacher of righteousness, which we've called, who had no conversions, 
who labored in anonymity. And worse than that, he was laughed at, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Noah! Noah, Noah, <laughs> what are you doing today? I'm building an ark. Why are you building an ark? Because it's going to rain. Had it ever rained? No. <laughs> so, it had rained. He's building an ark because God told him to. Has Jesus ever come again? No. But it says he is. See, in some ways we have that same ministry Noah had. Right? We're preparing for something that's never happened. It had never rained. We're preparing for His coming. Has He come again? No, He has not. He's never done that. I went to uh, is it the Creation Museum, I think. And they had... Uh, is that right? And they, they had... Uh, you were there, you should know. So... Uh, uh, but anyway, they had the uh, they had a depiction of that scene uh, of it starting to rain, and you you may recall you were there too, brother and sister. <laughs> you might have been eating ice cream during that time. I'm not sure, but had that little scene there, and they had the people holding on to the mountains because you know at some point. There was something that somebody looked up and went, what is that? And somebody went, I don't know. And Fox News did an alert. <laughs> something has fallen from the sky and we don't know what it is. But you know how rain starts just out. And at that time, Noah and his family were where? Inside the ark. Now, I don't think you should think that his whole family was all in on that because they were, after all, locked up with animals. <laughs> I don't know if his ark was near as nice as the one we saw. That's a nice ark. I could live in that. Man, when that rain started and, and, and the water started coming up and people just moved to higher ground, didn't they? And then when it came up to there, they moved to higher ground. And when it came up to there, they moved to higher ground. And finally, there was no ground to move to. And they were crying out, Noah, let us in. And Jesus uses that as an illustration because he's saying there's coming a day. When people will wish they had listened to Noah. Noah, that preacher of righteousness, there's coming a day when people will wish they had listened to the preacher. There's probably not ten houses in Westover I could go eat lunch at today. But I'll bet you if that happened, I could go eat at any house. What must we do to be saved? Jesus will come suddenly at the hour you think not the Son of Man cometh. 
And then finally in verse 40 it says, they won't be ready. They won't be ready. They won't be ready. Back in the days, back in the Middle Ages, back in the 1800s, I used to like to walk out and visit houses. And I've been known here in Westover just to go door to door. That's called unannounced visitation. Believe me, unannounced visitation is exciting. It's very exciting. Because I, I can remember more than one time going up to a house where the TV was blaring. You know what I'm saying? Just blaring. And I'd go... TV go off. Now that makes no sense. It's too late to turn the TV off. <laughs> I can hear the TV out the street. Who is it? Who's that? And they wouldn't open the door. Probably thought I was a Jehovah's Witness. Boy, they were <laughs> they weren't ready, were they? They were ready for no visitation. On a Sunday afternoon. You know, used to preachers visited on Sunday afternoons, but it's kind of scary today. Look what he says about that. They were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 39. Not ready. Not ready. Don't y'all think y'all know somebody, live with somebody, love somebody? That if Jesus came today, they're not ready. There's a variety of ways that they wouldn't be ready. Engaging in known sins, one. But just in rebellion against God after they say they've been saved. By not ready. And then just being lost. And he says in verse 40, Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. I, I, I never thought this book proclaimed rapture personally. I think this proclaims being prepared and not being prepared. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. What's that mean, stay awake? I know some of you have been practicing that for years. You haven't been asleep since 1963. <laughs> That's not what it means. That's not what it means. But the alert is a reference to the watchman on the wall where the watchman was to stay alert. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake. I still think about the fact that somebody came over to my house in the driveway next door and stole the radio out of one of the cars. Who does that? It wasn't much of a radio. But they got, I got in it. I was just driving down the road one day and I thought, 
And I thought, did I take that out? <laughs> and I thought, no, oh, I didn't take that out. Just stole it. Yeah. So what goes through your head is sometime during the night, somebody stole that. If I had known it, I would have stayed up and watched. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. At some level, I don't think any of us will expect Him when He comes. At another level, that doesn't mean we can't be ready. Spiritually, at least. Jesus is coming again. Every eye shall be holy. Some will praise His coming. Some will curse it. But most of all, you need to be prepared. Live every day with expectancy. Don't sell your house or your car or move out into a shack. But expect it. It could happen. We could be Aren't we closer than ever before? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, uh, we are grieved that so many are not prepared. We are grieved that so many in the church are not prepared. We are concerned. Lord, we're not happy about that. Father, as we think toward the future as a church, we want to honor you and obey you in every area of our lives. Father, direct and guide us to be your body that does its best to live out that we're preparing for your coming and that we want as many to go with us as possible. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.